0: Hey everyone, Gil Gross here post match. Rafael Nadal versus Matteo Berrettini, Australian Open 2022 semi-final. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in 3, 2, 1. Rafael Nadal will have a chance for major number 21 on Sunday as he's defeated Matteo Berrettini in 4 sets. Heads up real quick, I got to make this a shorter video because I've had technical problems here. And I'm gonna have to watch Medvedev Tsitsipas. So um, I'm gonna, you're only gonna get the most important things that I've chosen to uh, to include in this match. I'm sorry about that. It, I I wish again. I've recorded a 18 minute video and the audio didn't work. Okay, here we go. At the end of the day, um, first of all, let me acknowledge. I think it's important. What a, a another remarkable comeback from injury by Rafael Nadal, and I think that's worth repeating over and over again. And you look at the things that now you know Rafa and Carlos Moyá has said about how dire things were looking at, at certain points in the last six months, or how difficult things were, and and just how thankful Rafa is to be playing and and healthy and. I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for, for all of you guys, his fans, that, that you get to uh, continue to enjoy Nadal playing tennis healthy. For Berrettini, you know, it felt like another match where where he couldn't do much. Um, and I, I it's hard for me to really criticize his performance because the way Nadal was playing... And I've said the same thing about the last three times that he's lost to Djokovic and when he lost to Zverev in Madrid, it just it, it feels like when there's a couple guys, Nadal, Djokovic, Zverev, Medvedev, when they play as well as they can play, I just don't think Mateo has it. You know, I I don't really think he can beat them right now. Now, that can change. I, I hope he proves me wrong one day uh, because I... I've kind of had the correct read on all these matches. I've never picked Berrettini to beat any of these guys. I I don't really see it. But out of all the matchups, Nadal is probably the most difficult for him. So let me take you through that and why. And Rafa, everything really worked today. The execution, I mean, if his level was the best it's been all tournament, the best it's been in 2022, I mean, everything was really, really good here. But at the end of the day, uh, Berrettini couldn't win rallies against Nadal, and you come in kind of predicting that that might be the case. But it was really, really extreme in this match. I mean, Nadal won. I th- Nadal won. Let me quickly do it: twenty-eight plus twenty-four. Nadal won fifty-two. Berrettini won thirty-five. Fifty-two to thirty-five in rallies. Five or more shots in rallies, four shots or less. Sixty-one fifty-six Berrettini. So Nadal won all the rallies. What's going to happen when the rallies are one-sided? Well, you're going to see the discrepancy in second serve points, one, first serve points. Oftentimes, you get a free point, you get a serve plus one, you get a serve plus approach, finish the point quickly, whatever it may be. Second serve points, you're going to play the rallies. You're going to play the longer rallies. Well, first serve points, Berrettini actually won 74%. Nadal won 73%. As predicted, as I predicted before the match, it's going to be second serve points that are going to make the difference here. Nadal, 63%. Second serve points one Berrettini second serve points won. Now, I will take this chance to say that's not only about the rallies. It's also about the serve return dynamics on the second serve, and Nadal was tremendous. It was the best he's done all tournament long at getting a lot of depth off of his second serve return from the deep position. He decided to use the deep position, and he hit very, very heavy balls, deep balls, often getting it to the Berrettini backhand despite his court position because he was really getting a lot of weight of shot on that second serve return. And he just found the range. He had the range on it, did a good job. Meanwhile, Nadal's second serve was also tremendous and way better than it was against Shapovalov. He was he only double-faulted twice versus 11 against Dennis, and he didn't sacrifice speed. Once again, he averaged 103 miles per hour on the second serve, which is just about where it's been all tournament long. So now you get past the second serve, the serve return dynamics, which I think Nadal did really great in. And now you get to the rallies and you have the Berrettini backhand, which, first of all, Nadal is very good at getting to because he's great at taking his backhand down the line, even even when he needs to redirect a ball that's coming very hard. And that's important because it's not like Berrettini could get into the deuce side rallies and put Nadal in the backhand cage and keep it there. Nadal was excellent at redirecting his backhand down the line. He's very good at that. Not as good at using it as a finishing shot, but he's great at pattern changing. Going down the line to change the to change the rally basically not to finish the rally um and on his forehand what he did so well in this match is he used the heavy topspin short angle it did a bunch of things um obviously the sharper the angle the harder it is for Berrettini to run around and hit a forehand that's the first thing But the second thing is that's not a fast forehand. He actually took speed off and added topspin. And he took away depth. And you're thinking, Gil, some of those things are bad. Don't you want to hit it hard and deep? Right? No. Uh, Not against Berrettini's backhand. And Nadal had such a good feel for how to attack Berrettini's backhand. The best thing to do, unless you're trying to end the point, but I'm talking about on like the setup shot, uh, the best thing to do is to get it up above Berrettini's shoulders, and you see a lot of right-handers with great kick serve doing that really well. Well, Nadal's forehand, with the amount of RPM he gets on it, it's kind of like a kick serve. It's basically a kick serve, which makes it so difficult on Berrettini, who had to hit so many, even at six foot five, so many backhands above his shoulders. And there's something with Berrettini's backhand, when when you give him pace and you hit it low, he can actually lean into it and get good you know, a good weight of shot, good speed on his backhand. When you don't give him pace and you get it above his shoulders, he hits it very slow, very attackable and that's where Nadal is going to continue to tee off on those forehands. So he was able to attack that backhand in the right way. And then Berrettini just doesn't have options and quite frankly I don't know what he's supposed to do on his backhand. Uh, he The problem is he usually will trade safe cross court and wait for his chance for a forehand. But against Nadal, he, when he goes cross court, he is hitting into one of the great weapons in the history of the sport. He is so outgunned. The firepower difference is is just incredibly stark, and the consistency difference is is just as bad. And, you know, it's just a losing pattern to go cross-court uh, to Nadal's forehand, and he gets attacked going cross-court. But he just doesn't have the ability to take that ball down the line with enough consistency over the high part of the net with the closer baseline having to redirect from a timing perspective he can't slice we talked about nadal's racket speed and his top spin and how you can't really slice against him what i think he tried to do at the start of the match was actually slice it down the line to get it to nadal's backhand it's too hard he just he can't execute that so i don't know what Berrettini can do other than improve his backhand against nadal it's not a tactical problem. It's a technical problem. And there are no answers. And Nadal, with with how well he hit his forehand and and his backhand in this match, I mean the baseline rallies were uh were just savage from Nadal. And the only, you know, there was a point in the match where where Berrettini started to really capitalize on every forehand he got. And that's what he could have done better in this match, because I thought he he just wasn't deadly enough on the forehand. He needed to, he just needed to be better on that side, Berrettini, to try to just take over the points whenever the ball was on his forehand right away. No, no time wasted. The more, the more shots you play, the quicker Nadal gets it to the backhand. There was a point in the match where Berrettini started to serve better, hit his forehand bigger, move better. And obviously, he played an incredible return game in the third set. First time he got a break point on Nadal's serve in um, in five sets. Broke serve. Nadal didn't even do much wrong in that game. It was just great by Berrettini. And I, I have to shout out Nadal's serving performance once again in the fourth set for, you know, once again, first of all, stopping Berrettini's momentum and getting him through a point in the match where he started to look a little bit tired, which is probably the only critique you could possibly bring against Rafa Nadal in this performance, is that he did look a little bit tired through the end of the four, uh, end of the third set and the fourth. But he served incredibly well, and any fatigue that he might have been feeling or any you know sense of slowing down was uh, was uh, basically. Minimized and neutralized by how well Nadal served, making 17 of uh, or winning 17 of 20 first serve points and making 20 of 26 in the court. And that gave him a chance to play a good return game at. 3-4 3-4 and end up breaking for the match where Berrettini missed some really bad forehands, made some errors, missed some first serves. But Nadal also came up with some great plays, hit some great second serve returns in that game. And that was all she wrote. That's also all the time I have as Medvedev and Tsitsipas are beginning. I really do think that I was able to capture the essence of this match in 11 and a half minutes. But um, Nadal... In the final in Australia, once again, Sunday, winner of Medvedev versus Tsitsipas. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here. Post match, Daniil Medvedev versus Stefanos Tsitsipas, Australian Open 2022 semi-final. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in three, two, one. Daniil Medvedev will meet Rafael Nadal in the 2022 AO final in a rematch of the 2019 U.S. Open final, which was uh, such an epic that I think every all tennis fans have such fond memories of. He defeats Stefano Tsitsipas in four sets in this one. Kind of want to just say a quick word about Tsitsipas because... Most of my match analysis is going to be about things Medvedev did as the winner of this match, but I just want to start by saying this was an incredibly high quality match. The first set, because it was a first set and it didn't have any, you know, Nadal Manorino tiebreakers, anything crazy like that, it's probably not going to be remembered. It was really one of the higher quality sets that we'll probably see in 2022 in men's tennis. I mean, it it was just kind of a display of two elite players playing the best they can possibly play at the same exact time. And again, there was no crazy drama. It wasn't wild, but I thought it was amazing. Anyway, in the big picture, though, I I mean, it was just very impressive how well Pass ended up playing towards the end of this tournament, given the elbow Given the change in strings, it just sets him up very, very well for for stops that are coming up now at the beginning of the season that conditions-wise are much more suitable for him, Indian Wells, Miami, and then the clay. So I just wanted to say that. It it was a very good tournament for Pass. But Daniil Medvedev, the better player in this semifinal, and I think that starts with the... The serve return, which I think before the match was my number one key. And it's too much It's too much of a disadvantage to overcome for Tsitsipas. It's an amazing advantage for Medvedev that he, he serves better and he returns better. And on a quick court like this, it's going to make for a large discrepancy in returns, percentage of returns in play. So here's what it ended up being. Medvedev making 76% of returns in play, 91 out of 120 serve points, T.T. Pas making 51% of returns in play. So, 3 out of 4 serves coming back on T.T. Pas service games, only 2 out of 4 returns coming back on Medvedev service games and just, you know, mathematically how much better does titi need to play than medvedev in order to make up that difference when you know we're talking we're talking quite a bit we're that's a big percentage to make up remember if you look at total points won in a tennis match in any close tennis match these matches aren't decided by a lot these are thin margins and when you have dynamics such as the medvedev titi pas serve return dynamic on a quick hard court it is not going to be easy for, for Pass to, to win this match. And just to illustrate the point further, the, the reason surface matters is because on clay, Pass would make more returns. Medvedev would still make most of his returns. And the, the playing field would just be even. It would be probably like 62% returns in play by Pas 70%. Eight percent returns in play by Medvedev because you really can't get much better than than what he did. Uh, but you know, it would be interesting. I could I could have gone back to the Roland Garros match and looked, and I didn't. But it, it evens out the playing field. The slower the surface, the the less this dynamic plays out. So you got to start there. Medvedev really good serving match and such a amazing returning match as well. Now he does give something up in. Returning from as far back as he does, he makes more in play, but there is a trade-off. Every tactic has a trade-off. And the trade-off is that he's in bad position initially, and he needs to try to use his speed to make up that position, and Tsitsipas is going to be very good at playing that first ball and coming in to try to take advantage of Medvedev's defensive and disadvantageous court position, which Stefano Tsitsipas did. However, Medvedev is very fast and Medvedev has great passing shots. So what was very clear that this match was going to be decided by some key passing shot volley sequences. And who is going to come out there? Well, let's kind of look at it. Uh, first set tie break, Tsitsipas was up a break, 4-3, up a mini break. And how did Medvedev get that mini break back? Forehand inside-out approach. Medvedev hits the backhand pass right up the middle low. Pass doesn't finish the forehand volley. Medvedev passes down the line. Now we go to the third set. 4-5, love 15 on Tsitsipas' serve. One set apiece here, remember. Forehand inside-out approach. Medvedev anticipated it. He was going that way. He knew it was going that direction. And he lines up a perfect pass down the line, which Tsitsipas didn't even come close to touching. Now we go to the fourth set. That that game, that 4-5 game, Medvedev broke to win the third set. Now we go to the fourth set. 1-2 on serve. And another big spot here. 15-all. And once again... Pass forehand inside-out approach, Medvedev, backhand pass down the line. The very same sequence. Then on the next point, and it's 15-30 here, Pass serve and volley, Medvedev makes a low return, Pass nets the volley. So again, it was going to come down to, on a couple of big points on Pass's serve, we know how these points are going to go. We know that Steph is going to serve and hit approach shots. He's going to serve volley. And it's not that that's the wrong play. That's the right play. But will Medvedev make great passing shots? Will Tsitsipas make great volleys? Now, here's the one thing that I think Tsitsipas can definitely be be better on tactically. He's going to Medvedev's backhand every single time. And this is something that I wouldn't have remembered. But obviously, what I like to do in a match like this is I like to look over my notes and rewatch my post-match video when... um, in, in prior meetings. So I watched the video from last year's semi-final, and sure enough, I said pass approached every time to the backhand, to the Medvedev backhand, every single time. And at the time, I didn't hate it, because Medvedev's backhand is a flatter shot, so it, it sits up a little bit better. The only thing is, first of all, the element of surprise is so important in this game. And it just seemed like Medvedev was reading it here. And the other thing is that Medvedev usually on the forehand passes cross court, usually. So if I were Tsitsipas's coach, I would tell him to sometimes approach the forehand, mix it up, but approach the forehand and maybe expect that cross court a lot of the time. Uh, Because I I do believe that that's the more common passing shot by Medvedev. So, I mean, I think just strange that he is so repetitive going to the backhand. Because it just doesn't seem like an obvious advantage over the forehand pass. Uh, Moving on, I think that Medvedev's forehand down the line was a total game changer in this match. And I knew that he was going to use it a lot. I knew that he was going to go down the line... um, Probably, and I don't have the numbers, but he probably did it at least 50% of the time, which is predictable. And that's the correct tactic. That's what Yannick Sinner didn't do and he should have done against Tsitsipas. But offensively is where Medvedev was able to surprise me. He really leaned in and hit a lot of great aggressive forehands down the line. And that's what he needs to do. To attack the weak point of Tsitsipas' baseline defense. Let's take a moment to to talk about Tsitsipas' backhand in this match. I talked about how it was really bad in last year's semifinal. It was good in this match when his when he was set, like when when they were exchanging backhand to backhand, and Tsitsipas was in position to hit the backhand. He hit that one hander great. Didn't try to do too much with it. Uh, actually, you know, hit some very clutch aggressive backhands in this match. Didn't really do any damage down the line, but it's tough with Medvedev's speed, and I don't really think that that's quite necessary. I thought Tsitsipas hit it really well. It's the defense that's not there. I mean, he just, he's not comfortable when he's rushed or on the stretch on the run um, with that shot, but particularly when he was rushed. And I just thought that Medvedev took advantage of that on a consistent basis with his forehand down the line. And uh, that was a real key because in a lot of respects, Tsitsipas was, was toe-to-toe as good, if not better, than Medvedev in the baseline exchanges. But that was one area where Medvedev was, was really gaining ground. I thought it was the key shot for Daniil. I do want to address the set that Tsitsipas won. It was the second set. And again, the, the quality was really high. There was a lot of good serving in this match. But in the second set... This was a a melt by Medvedev, and it's definitely worth discussing because we've seen this for Medvedev. Uh, He hit a double fault at 30-15, then he hit a unforced error forehand in the midcourt at 30-all first ball, then at 30-40 he hit another double fault. And then he... And it was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere, that was weird, and it, it was just strange. And then he starts screaming at the umpire about Apostolos Tsitsipas, Steph's father, his coach, and how Steph's getting coaching. And he's screaming, he's losing it. And it's hard for me to separate the... um, It's hard for me to separate that meltdown on the court there, uh, on Medvedev's service game, and what occurred afterwards with him being so upset. I think, you know, my read on this situation is that he got really pissed at Apostolos there and it it got in his head. And, And Medvedev needs to work on blocking out the externals and the things he can't control, and keeping calm in these situations. Because, you know, these incidents just add up. And in this case, he wins the match, so it doesn't cost him. But, I mean, famously, obviously, in Cincinnati, you have the camera incident, which turned around that match against Rublev. At the U.S. Open in the semifinal against Team. The umpire didn't let him challenge and he completely lost it and and lost his focus and lost the first set. Jim Courier asked him this after the match and Medvedev admitted that it doesn't help him to to get, you know, lose his cool like this. So it's definitely something he still needs to work on. The maturity is not really on par with uh, some other players, some of his rivals, you know, j- just a weakness, just like anything else for Medvedev. Um... I also, I, I just, I have to add, and I, I usually don't make these comments, but um I I like Medvedev. I, I think he's a, a great personality to have on tour. He's a, a, I love the honesty. I love the quirkiness. I love all that. I do wish he treated umpires better. I definitely don't, don't like um, how he treats umpires. And, and that's one thing that I, I would love him to uh, try to change. Um, lastly, yeah, so, so pass wins the second set off of that off of that meltdown but I also want to credit all the you know great tennis that Stefanos played in this match again I thought it was a, a good level from him uh, I, I do want to end on the fatigue factor just to kind of address it because most uh most people picking Titi in this match assume that Medvedev would be tired I just want to kind of make a make a statement about fatigue in, in with with Medvedev you uh you I understand, right, because there's no history of Medvedev playing long matches at the end of majors besides 2019 U.S. Open and then coming back and being fine the next match. There's no history of Medvedev as an Ironman like that. I just want to say this. If you expect to win majors, you got to be able to play long matches and come back in two days and play another really good four or five set match. It's just, for the most part, it's a requirement. And I know that there can be some incidents like like Medvedev had at the U.S. Open last year where he only drops one set. But it's just, it's not always going to be like that. So if you think Medvedev's a champion, then these are the kinds of matches that he's going to need to win. You know, you can't play a five-setter and then just be toast the next round every single time if you're going to be a champion and win multiple majors. So this was, this was good to see from Medvedev. Um, it was definitely another question answered and you know that th- this was an intense match but I expect him to have his physicality with him for the final against Rafael Nadal as Medvedev looks for his second and Nadal looks for his 21st. I'll have a preview out for you guys tomorrow. make sure you look out for that. Remember you can join to support the channel for two dollars a month. Hope you enjoyed. don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.